You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, hosted by Blake Murphy 7 and Johnny Touchdown. All about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello, welcome into the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Uh, tonight we got a special episode for you. We're going to be joined by our uh, all NFL insider, Benjamin Albright at Albright NFL, the QB guru himself. We're going to be talking a bit of the NFL, some Cardinals football, and taking in some of that Broncos knowledge of Vance Joseph, if that's become a hot topic tonight. I'm joined, as always, by my podcast co-host, at Johnny Touchdown, and Ben Albright himself. Ben, how are you doing overall tonight, sir? I'm doing pretty well. Just uh, got off air a little bit ago. Um, we had Alexander Johnson, the inside linebacker, on, so that was fun, and uh, looking forward to talking to you guys. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate you hopping on and and getting to our questions around the team. Cardinals right now, Ben, are overachieving offensively, and, and certainly we feel like are, are underachieving as a team defensively. But that, of course, we feel like ties back not only to personnel, but to their new defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph, who is on everybody's mind as they enter their bye week. They've got either the, the 31st or 32nd ranked defense statistically in most categories. So my question for you, you're around the Denver Broncos and have been around that team for some time. What's the perception of Vance around Denver? And are you surprised by the team's defensive struggles, that being the Cardinals? Uh, no, and I think I alluded that to you guys when I spoke with you guys last was, you know, there's, there's going to be some struggles. Uh, there's some specific some very specific schematic holes in what Vance Joseph does. And, um, you know, we've, we kind of saw that the last couple of years here in Denver, uh, he, he, he very much struggles to contain tight ends. Um, and if they're not getting pressure with, uh, what they're trying to run, which is usually a middle of the field closed defense, it's usually going to be one high, three high, something like that. Um, if they're not getting pressure, uh, at, at the quarterback, somebody's going to come free and, you know, your DBs will get tired because they'll, they'll get tired of playing man all game. And then in the fourth quarter, they're gassed and you see big plays happen, uh, because of that. So, you know, the, the book on Vance Joseph defense is out there. It can be successful with the right players and the right rotations, but, uh, there are some very specific holes to it. Yeah, that's great, at least for that one. With the unit struggle specifically, as far as with covering tight ends, why is that such a case? We've seen, it doesn't matter whether it's George Kittle or his backup or the backup to the backup, why is it such a flaw and issue that Vance Joseph has as far as schematically? Is it more of the way from, at least from what I've seen, it seems that he likes to kind of sell out up front to stop the run and then at least in Arizona, he's been playing his guys a little bit more back. We've almost had some Jabril Peppers with the Greg Williams type of moments where he seems to be kind of not wanting teams to beat them over the top deep. And as a result, a lot of intermediate yards have kind of been given up. But is there something that you can see specifically with the tight end position? And if it were up to you, how do you think you would at least have Vance go and fix that or even if it can be fixed? 
Well, you know, Vance, like I said, likes to run a lot of cover one, cover three. Um, it's mostly cover one. Um, sometimes they'll run that two deep man under stuff, but, but mostly it's, it's you know, one high safety and man up. Uh, the problem with that when covering a tight end is that tight ends these days are, are a lot more, a lot better athletes than they used to be, almost just big wide receivers. Uh, it's tough to find linebackers that are excellent in, um, you know, excellent gap control linebackers in the run game that can also go away from the football and cover a tight end. It's tough to find that, you know, Brian Erlacher's don't grow on trees. And so, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it can be a challenge uh, when he, you know, was in Denver, the, the linebackers they had were Todd Davis and Josie Jewell. And Josie's an athletically limited linebacker. Uh, Todd Davis is really a downhill guy. And, you know, they, they, they struggled against the tight end. George Kittle said, I think a record for the first half uh, yardage uh, uh, by a tight end. Um, and so schematically, the fault here is that if you don't have an elite inside linebacker uh, that can match up one-on-one with a tight end, and let's face it, there's what, two, three of those guys in the league, um, then, you know, it, it struggles to do that. So you either have to bring a safety in uh, to do that, and that safety is dedicated, and usually that safety is going to be too small. Um, and, and then what they'll do is they'll take that tight end, they'll run stick routes, or they'll run, you know, run drags, they'll shield with the body, and they'll use them as chain mover it um it just it just creates a matchup problem so unless you tell you find the perfect archetype and, and you kind of rethink defense uh in terms of the the bodily archetype and the, and the coverage archetype required to cover a tight end the vance joseph defense is going to be sort of a an antiquated offshoot of the wade phillips defense now i we appreciate that insight and it's the, the cardinals certainly do not have the bodies right now at inside linebacker to cover a tight end that's been one of Steve Kimes' um, biggest misses. He's tried to draft two in the first round, and both have failed for this franchise. And, and speaking of Steve Kime, Ben, um, we had you on um, earlier this year before the draft had, had started, and there was some uh, some hesitation as to whether or not you thought Kime would be with the team pass this year. Mm-hmm. Has the ascension of Kyler Murray, the the, the acquisition of him, the the – you know, the, the prowess of, of Kime to move off of Rosen, which was his own pick, and to say, okay, I'm, I'm making a change because I feel like this guy's a franchise changer quarterback. And then, of course, bringing in Cliff Kingsbury to, to run the offense as the head coach. Have those two moves alone, in your opinion, um, allowed Kime for an additional year with this franchise? Or do you think that if the team continues to lose games they finish with a a top five draft pick do you think he is on the outs at the end of this year i think he's going to be around another season um i I think he's been bought a reprieve with the way the kyler murray thing kind of panned out and the josh rosen you know kind of move on um i I think that actually bought him a reprieve We, we don't know what cliff kingsbury is yet you know we've seen some some, some interesting things out of that offense here and there. We've seen some flashes, but uh, we, we don't know who he is yet. Um, you know, he struggled obviously to win games at the collegiate level uh, with great quarterback play, Pat Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, et cetera. Uh, now you got Kyler Murray who looks dynamic, but you know, you're still not putting, putting wins together, whether that's on the offense or the defense. Um, you know, in, in a lot of cases, it's still on the head coach. So we, we don't we don't 100 percent know who Cliff is yet either. So I, I think Kime bought himself another year. Uh, I think Cliff's going to be around another probably year or two unless, it you know, that offense just gets completely shut down next year and people figure it out with a year of tape. Um, so, you know, I, I think he's I think he's safe for another draft. 
we'll see beyond that. Um, you know, obviously he's got the personal relationship with, uh, with Bidwell. So that makes, you know, it makes it a little more difficult to move on from him, but, uh, he was on some real shaky ground. Um, if this Kyler thing didn't, didn't take off like it did. Yeah, no question about that. It seems that the Cardinals are at least a little bit better prepared to hire from within. We've heard a lot of you know, Quentin Harris and Adrian Wilson either on the radio or involved, so I can't see them bringing in an outside source if they move on, but I, right now we've kind of agreed with you from everything that uh, we're assuming about this team is that Steve Keim is going to be the one um, in charge of the ship for another year, and in some cases it does seem to make sense that they wouldn't want to separate the uh, head coach-GM pairing at least for another year. Um, talking a bit about Cliff, he's still right now got a record of three seven and one in the league. Um, what does he do well overall that we at least have seen? Because obviously there's been a bit more success than some were looking at with the Cardinals in the first year, especially with how their offensive line was perceived. Uh, they've been able to at least run the ball, but ultimately you're still not seeing the same win total overall, which was the big critique of him in college. So what does Cliff do well, and what does he overall need to change to be able to make sure he doesn't go 3-7-1 and one, and if he's going to finally shed that can't-win-the-big-game the label? Well, that's that's tough because we don't know if it's him or if it's the personnel you know, right now on, on the offensive side of the ball. And I tend to err the first year, at least on the side of the coach doesn't have his guys. Uh, we, I think we all know that the cards offensive line is, uh, is, is not exactly what we would call elite. Um, so <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that there's something to be said for given the opportunity to, um, to be able to remedy those things. What does he do? Well, uh, you know, he's put, uh, he's put that line in good positions. You know, a lot of the sacks this year haven't actually been on that line. It's been on Kyler hold the ball too long. Uh, the play designs have been to get the ball out quick and try to help out that offensive line a little bit. Um, and not all of them, but some of them. Um, so, you know, I, I think that schematically that's, that's a plus. Uh, he tries to put his offense in the best situation to continue to stay on and ahead of schedule. Um, I have some concerns about that offense. I, I had concerns about the, the transition to the NFL. And my concern, my main concern still seems to be that that offense struggles uh, between the hashes. Uh, everything feels like if there's a lot of outbreaking routes, um, the only time I see him go to the middle third of the field seems to be deep. Uh, they don't really work the intermediate part of the field very well that I've seen. Uh, right. And I haven't watched every game, but the games that I've watched, that's certainly been glaring. Um, so, you know, it feels to me like that he's got to find a way to work the middle of the field. And he's got to find a way to create things where Kyler Murray can see the middle of the field, um, it, you know, in order to, to have that threat or defenses are going to start cheating to take away those, those outbreaking routes that have been so successful. And uh, that's going to present a problem down the line. Yeah, that does seem problematic. The Cardinals have not essentially had a deep threat all year. Um, for the most part, Andy Isabella to this point has not been able to separate or get deep. Farrell Cooper is not that type of a guy, at least. And Demir Bird has been inactive the last few games. He's the other 4-3 guy on the roster. So you're right in that they've essentially had to kind of create an offense that's not really doing as much in the intermediate. And it's kind of playing to the first two levels of the field. That's probably part of why they've been rushing the ball a lot. So that'll be interesting to see if and when Cliff does get the personnel how much of the limitations will be there. Uh, do you think that Murray, at least, I know when I charted some of the things coming out or looked at those, it seemed like Rosen was a better intermediate field passer than Kyler was overall. Is that something that you saw as far as some of his strengths on the tape that Cliff is using? And what are other areas that 
either our weaknesses that maybe need to get covered a bit better or just overall the progress of what we're seeing with Kyler is is he developing or are we kind of seeing more of just a static guy that we saw in college for the most part that's on the field right now and teams are needing to get taped to figure it more out I, I think the latter. I, I don't know that, you know, I, I think Kyler's kind of taking a lot of people by surprise. I think a lot of people thought that that was going to be a fad. And, um, you know, so I think there's some of that. I saw a throw by Kyler. I think it was a touchdown throw to Christian Kirk, if I remember correctly. That might have been the best throw I've seen all year. Uh, just an incredible throw. It was against the Bucks, I believe. Uh, and he mm-hmm. put a he put a ball. Uh, he put a ball right by. A linebacker. I mean, they, they could not have played better defense on that play, and he threaded it. it looked like a post pattern, if I remember correctly. Um, and so, him seeing the middle of the field like that, you, that that gives you hope. Uh, you know, I, I, Kai, he's been tearing it up with those outbreaking routes. Uh, it, it'd be interesting to see. Like I said, I, I really with Kyler, I'm just trying to withhold all judgment until next year, where they get the opportunity to patch up this line, they get the opportunity to develop some of those young receivers. Um, and coaches have a chance to respond with, you know, a year's worth of tape, uh, you know, to study. So I'm uh, really trying to withhold judgment. I would say that there's a lot of promise there. Uh, I would say if I'm a Cardinals fan, I'm certainly, I'm certainly optimistic. <laughs> uh, certainly uh, 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 what we've shown so far would be, um, would be considered optimism. And uh, it looks like a, a trending upward offense. You're going to have to figure out the defensive side of the ball. You're going to have to figure out, um, the offensive line and, and like I said those receivers do have to make a make a leap uh, this offseason but um, I would say I'd be fairly optimistic about the way that offense looks well Ben let's let's talk about next season and let's let's talk about a, a player I think that could help this team especially defensively one that you're pretty familiar with in safety Justin Simmons who's going to be a free agent come this this offseason. For those of you in Arizona who aren't familiar with him, he's a, f- a former third-round pick who's, who's playing at an all-pro level uh, again this season. Um, ben, what is, in, in your opinion, it going to take to, to lock up Simmons long-term, assuming that Denver doesn't franchise him? What does Elway have, have in store for the, for the third-year player? Well, his you know his agency's taking care of that right now. Todd France is the uh, you know, chief negotiator on all that. They're going to get that one locked up. He's he's their priority right now. Um, so I don't want to I don't want to get you guys hopes up that, that he's going to be available. They're, they're going to nah, pay I figured him. as much. Yeah, they're going to make him work now. If you are eyeballing a safety from from Denver, I would suggest that uh, that perhaps you would keep your eye on Will Parks. Um, Will is a Will and Justin are kind of a Batman and Robin in terms of being great friends. Um, you know, Parks a little more. Um, <laughs> He's played a little more versatile role this year uh, as a backup safety and kind of a, a heavy nickel corner and a dime backer. Um, you know, and he's uh, he's a playmaker. You know, he's always around the ball. Went know, to University that, of Arizona too, so that'd be a right. nice fit. Right. So I think that there's several ties to that. He also would be a free agent at the end of the year. Um, and I suspect that uh, if anybody were to be the odd man out here in Denver because they've got so much money tied up at Kareem Jackson already, uh, that that it would be Will Parks, uh, and he would be very familiar with Vance Joseph's defense. And uh, you know, we talked to Will. I, I had him on the show two, three weeks ago. We had an hour-long conversation with him. He's he's one of the few DBs on this uh, roster that's still on good terms with Vance. That's good to know, and that's especially when you're looking at coaches and for guys. We know Kingsbury himself brought in a lot of his own guys, at least as far as people he played against in college. 
Um, as far as with the Cardinals overall for this next upcoming year, what are kind of the biggest positions to address from what we're at least believe or seeing is that it seems that they're going to be more trying to keep the current offensive line intact, whether that's a good idea or not. We'll have to find out next year, I think, at least for the most part. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with DJ Humphreys, who's a 25-year-old free agent left tackle hitting a market that loves left tackles, and yet he's had injury concerns every single year, has never played a full 16 games. But what's the feeling of the Cardinals organization as a whole? Are guys going to want to play here when Arizona has capped to spend from what we're seeing at least so far from the progress? Because they, they had to overpay, I know, to get Terrell Suggs over in here. And what are the areas that you would look to at least in spending in free agency and the draft to build this team up for next year to try to compete? Well, I think the, if you're a free agent and you play on the offensive side of the ball, yeah, you're definitely looking at Arizona. There's some excitement there. You got exciting young quarterback and people that look like they could, you know, maybe have some legacy pad in the stat total and an offensive figures to, uh, to to have a lot of plays. Uh, defensively, you're going to have to overpay for guys. Uh, they're not going to want to come to a an offensive heavy team that's probably putting its defense at risk uh, to be on the on the field more series, give up more points, and uh, and not look as good. Uh, if I'm the Arizona Cardinals, I'm making a heavy investment in the front seven uh, because the defense that, uh, that advanced Joseph runs requires pressure on the quarterback or else guys are going to come free and man. Uh, you know, you got to go after man DBs and, uh, and then you got to go after, you know, pass rushing front uh, front seven guys. And then if you find that elusive unicorn that we talked about earlier, that inside linebacker that, that can match up with tight ends and man coverage, uh, you, you got to make a play. I'm not saying one of those is going to be available, but, uh, <laughs> you know, if one just happens to appear out of thin air, why not? Um, so, you know, I would suggest that'd be the thing. And then of course the offensive line, um, you know, I think in order for Cliff's, Cliff's system to run at max efficiency, that's, that's where your investments need to be. I, I don't know. Uh, the Broncos are already scouting left tackles. I think they're going to move on from Garrett Bowles. who will have one year left on his deal. Um, you know, he has familiarity with Vance. Uh, there may be a lobby to you know, bring him down, but um, he also has familiar with the, with your offensive line coach there. But, As I said, Kugler at least if right. Kugler likes him, that's very much a connection there potentially. So we'll see. Right. If- he was, yeah, he was one of the people uh, that was heavily involved with him. Garrett's not the brightest bulb out there, but uh, he's certainly familiar. You know, familiarity is, is a big thing with him, so that that could be something that you guys could see. Well, I got one more question for you, Ben, and it's kind of a little bit off topic. Brandon Marshall, inside linebacker, who had been a staple for the, the Broncos defense for um, the better part of, I think, six, seven years, was available as a free agent, was cut by by Oakland. Um, are you surprised that he's not on a roster, that the Cardinals never brought him in considering their need at inside linebacker and the fact that he's only 30 years old, or is it simply because he, he just can't run anymore? Well, I think it's a combination of both. I mean, he actually got cut by the Raiders twice. He got cut by him, re-signed by him, and cut again. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that there's – I think there's – I think Brandon – he's been working out here in Denver, by the way. He's he's um, he's working his butt off. He wants one more deal. Um, he wants to get out there one more time. I just don't know if he's he's got the ability to do it, especially sure. in advance. Game. He advanced butted heads quite a bit. Now that makes sense but, then. You know, I, don't, I don't know that – um, I don't know that that's patched up. Um, he was he was going to be uh, on our show a couple of weeks ago, and then the Raiders re-signed him, so he couldn't, and then they cut him right after. So we, we thought John Groom was just doing it to spike my show. But, um, you know, obviously that's <laughs> a little bit of hyperbole. But it's, you know, I, I think that I, – I don't think that – 
I, I like Brandon, but I don't personally think he has the ability to be uh, an every down player in the NFL anymore. And, and honestly, uh, not much more than just a bottom of the roster guy. That's good stuff, Ben. Hey, thanks again so much for joining us. I know we'd love to have you sometime on in the future when we get kind of near into the offseason to kind of go around some of the NFL, especially as we get closer um, to the upcoming free agency and the draft, at least. We'll be very curious to see how Vance Joseph treats kind of the last five or so games of the year, (laughs) just to see if the Cardinals can put together any sort of another strong defensive performance, at least for the most part. Uh, Thank you again so much for taking the time to be able to stop by. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. Yeah. And again, Thanks, make sure. And again, make sure if you're not following, where can the uh, everyone find you at least, as well as your show? You've got a awesome new setup at least with iHeartMedia, so make sure that you're plugging that as well, Ben. Um, yeah, yeah. If they want to, uh, you know, if they they need help with a sleep aid, uh, my show is available in podcast form, <laughs> BroncosCountryTonight.com, uh, or on the iHeart app. Uh, and then uh, you can unfollow me at All Bright NFL. The good stuff. Hey, thanks again so much for joining us, Ben. That'll be it for us here today on the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Take care.